Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And with that, this is Locked On Hornets Live. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA Beautiful Uptown Charlotte, which for the first time you are able to see uh, live. I'm Doug Branson, and to my left, the man in the middle, David Walker. Hit me in the high post, Doug, and then I'll swing it around. That's good. That's right. That's basketball that's talk. Basketball that checks jargon, out. Right? We checked it I out. Checked that it checks out. out. I googled uh, it. And holding down. Speaking of basketball talk, holding down the left block, Justin Thomas. Fellas, the NBA is here. <laughs> Fellas, uh, Hornets it, are looking good. It's here. No more the bad NFL looking good. football. You can watch basketball now. That's a, it's exactly right. I can't wait to watch these two games. We're going to get you ready for the Hornets opener on Wednesday, and then we're going to rush out of here and go watch some NBA basketball. This is an exciting show. It's our live premiere on YouTube and Facebook Live. It's a brand new medium for us, one we've been working very hard to put together. We have uh, been in rehearsals and different kinds of things. Uh, we've got a big guest to go along with our live premiere. Hornets beat writer Rick Bennell makes his first ever appearance on the program, so that's exciting. And a reminder, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers fans, make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. Uh, So I want to open up things. First of all, you may be new to the show. Uh, Everyone is new to this video thing that we're doing now. And so I want to take a minute or two to tell you what's going on before we dig in. Uh, Locked on Hornets has been covering the Hornets via podcast since 2013. We broadcast our show right here in Uptown Charlotte. We are all Charlotte area locals. Uh, Justin and David grew up in Charlotte. I'm technically from neighboring Gastonia, but I'm not ashamed. It's the home of (laughs) James Worthy. I would. Sleepy Floyd, Hassan Whiteside, pride of Gastonia, Daryl Armstrong, and Fred Durst. So Mm. that's that's all I need to see. Gas house repping. Uh, Our motto is Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. Our goal is to make you smarter than Bob at work, who thinks he knows everything about the Charlotte Hornets because he owns some kind of Larry Johnson throwback. Well, let me tell you something, Bob. Bob. You don't know everything about the Hornets. Uh, So we're going to make you smarter than than Bob at work. Now give Uh, me my password. (laughs) Now. Uh, this is a little bit, we talked about this a lot, David, when we first started. This is a little bit of an exclusive club. We're not for everybody. We go deep into the Hornets in a way that you're not going to find on local radio, and certainly you're not going to find it on ESPN. No offense, Justin, who covers uh, the Hornets for ESPN 730, but you're not going to find it on the national stations. Some of us love numbers, me. Some of us hate numbers, Justin. And some of us just have really great hair. That's David. So we've got all of the... All of the bases. We've checked all the boxes. All the I bases covered. To say. But here's the here's the important part. You are are part of the show as well. The most important part. You drive the conversation, and with YouTube and Facebook Live, it's going to open up your participation in an entirely new way. So if you're watching live, please comment. Please ask questions. Uh, Justin and David both are paying attention to YouTube and Facebook. We're going to read some of your comments and questions as the show goes on. We'll spend some time later in the show doing that. It all works together to be the absolute number one best Hornets talk you are going to find anywhere. And uh, with that, we launch. And we're going to start each show by stepping back and talking about three things, one from each of us that we've noticed in the past week of Hornets basketball. Could be something we liked, something we didn't like, or something that maybe, I don't know, put a put a thinking emoji face on us. I don't know. We're calling it the Step Back Three. David, tip us off. 
Yeah, guys, I don't know about you, but this, uh, we get them every year. Uh, so this year is no different, but we get videos of MKG shooting mm -hmm. and they have progressively gotten better. Uh, and as we can see here, he made some, he's making them in practice, yeah, making go. that corner three. We've talked about that corner three too, but dudes, you tell me, dudes, dudes, <laughs> because dudes. Hey, we're hey, we have a 5% female audience. I got the numbers. My dudes. It's growing. Uh, the form, okay, it's, it's, it's not rookie year, but it's creeping back. Or, or, am I, am I over worried that it's creeping back? I mean, it's going in. So look, I don't care how he gets it gets. It's, up it's it definitely, in, it's definitely odd, but it, it's, it's shifted it's better, to the left. The elbow, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's shi yeah he over. shifts everything kind of to the left and then makes a little hop to the left, but everything, everything is in line. It's just not in the traditional Line that's for sure. that that most people listen. He's untraditional. It's just not pretty. Well, that's it's also getting better. Sure. Though. It, I mean, it's come listen, a long way. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or not. Um, and that's the I think I, I've proven that it doesn't matter <laughs> if it's pretty or not. Sometimes you just have to get it done. My wife will attest to that. Uh, let's, uh, Justin. What did you see this week? There's been a <laughs> level of focus, and and I think guys understand. Clifford has talked about. This team needs to be a pretty good shooting team, and last year they struggled. I think they were one of the worst teams um, shooting uh, their two-goal field goal percentage. And this week, a lot of guys have been staying out to practice and really putting in time and getting those shots up. Kimba, yeah, Sessions. well, we've got some we've got some audio, right? This All is this is from Steve Clifford talking about uh, who he thinks will shoot well uh, this upcoming season. I think Frank will shoot a lot better. I think Ramon Sessions will shoot a lot better. He's been doing a ton of shooting work with Bruce. Um, I think Cody will shoot from range. You know, like, I don't know, I'm not green necessarily, but range a lot better. Um, and I think Jeremy Lamb will get back to closer to where, you know, his career numbers were too. So there's Steve Clifford at practice uh, two practices ago talking about who's going to shoot well. He named a lot of names there, he Justin. Thinks everybody's going to shoot well. My cousin Daryl, he's going to shoot well. Um, <laughs> I saw the janitor putting up a couple of shots. His stroke looked good. I if, mean, everybody. he's optimistic. I would say if one guy needs to shoot the ball well, it's Cody Zeller. Like, mm. Everybody, you know, everybody's like, when is Cody going to take that next step? He's got to get back on the court and, first. And he has to. You know, that, that bone bruise has been keeping him out. But he's going to have to be able to at least knock down 15 feet to 18 feet. He's going to have to do that. And Coach has said he's worked on, worked on it. Cody has echoed the same sentiment saying he's worked on his jump shot. So we can't talk about it anymore. Well, as soon as he gets ready to play, we got to see some. Yeah, results. it's going to be there because it's been there all year. It's been there all last year, I should say. It's been there his whole career, right? And if he can hit that, because that was kind of the tease coming out of Indiana, right? Mm -hmm. He could be that guy to step out and hit that wide open, you know, elbowish, uh, elbowish shot. So he's got to. He's got to do it. That makes him so important because they're going to want to play Roy, but Roy is not going to always be able to match up defensively. But you put Cody out there and he can defend, but you also need some points. So if he can knock down that jumper. They, that can be a really good step for this team. All right, since we have video now, I'd like to briefly look at my favorite play of the preseason for my step back. This uh, slightly beat out the Kimba Walker double no-look pass, which was nifty. It's nifty. It was neat. But this play happened against Miami, and it's important because MKG is playing the four in this play, and he could see some action at the four against Milwaukee opening night. And they the, the set that they run here is really uh, great. Let's take a look. So Ramon Sessions bringing it up here. MKG, he looks like he's going to go to the corner, but he doesn't. Marco's the decoy, and then Ramon fires it in there to MKG. Let's watch it again. So Ramon, you see a great screen set up by MKG to start this, and it allows Marco to get down into the paint. But you can already see Jeremy Lamb leaking in. You think MKG is going to flare out to the three-point line, but instead he doesn't. He dives down, and so does Jeremy Lamb. They set this like double pin-down screen Marco's going to come off that, and then you'll see MKG's man, Akira White, bites on it, and Ramon picks it out. Great pass, and uh, goes to uh, MKG there for, for the dunk. So uh, big big play there. It was my favorite play of the season. We're going to do this Step Back 3 segment every live show, so uh, be uh, be paying attention to that. And each, each week, we're also going to have a question of the show. This week's question who is the player that the Hornets cannot get to the playoffs without? We're calling this player the game over player. That if he were to suffer a season ending injury right now would mean game over for the Hornets. We'll share who we think the game over player is later in the show. If you're watching along live right now on YouTube or Facebook, you can share your answer right now. And if you're listening to this on iTunes or uh, watching later, you can uh, tweet us uh, what you think. You can always tweet us. 
always tweet us. All right, let's go out to the Locked On line right now where we have a very special guest. This is his first time on the podcast, and he's live. Charlotte Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. He's been covering the team from the very beginning. Rick Bennell. Rick, welcome to Locked On Hornets. Oh, thanks for having me. Rick, we're a day away from getting this new season started. What's the latest from practice today as the team gets prepped to head into game one Wednesday night? They're a little better off health-wise than I anticipated. Uh, I took it for granted. Brian Roberts has had this hamstring problem for so long that I took it for granted that he was the person most likely not to play on Wednesday. And he participated fully in practice today. Uh, So did Cody Zeller. That's the third day in a row that Cody's been able to, to practice um, do everything without having a flare-up of that awful um, uh, knee bruise that he's had. The person who I take it for granted is out is um, Frank Kaminsky. He's got that foot strain. He has not been able to do anything as far as practice all week, and so I I wouldn't imagine what we'd see Frank before probably Saturday at the earliest is my guess. Wow. Uh, Rick, Steve Clifford commented earlier in the training camp preseason period that Kimball Walker had improved his skills even more despite coming off a career year in nearly every major category. What improvements stand out to you from his preseason performance? Well, I don't know that I, to be honest with you, I don't know that I've seen him enough to play to really necessarily quantify that, but I know that Steve feels great conviction that Kemba and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist have set themselves up to have really good seasons, assuming else. Uh, the interesting thing about Kemba's summer was that while he was held out of contact, um, even into a portion of the of the preseason, just because he had had elective uh, knee surgery, that didn't keep him from doing any of the, the sort of individual stuff. Um, and and um, and Steve feels like he got that much better in, in his routines this summer, as far as. Um, the, the, the long-range shooting and the decision-making and pick-and-roll, which are the two things that are so central to what make him dangerous. Rick, since Nick Nick Batum this offseason signed his near-max deal, everybody is expecting so much different from him, or does he need to score all these points, or he needs to fill up the stat sheet? But that's just a figure because he's played well. Do you think there's any reason for him to, to change his game? Absolutely not. You know, it's funny you, you, the way you pose that question, and that's perfectly fine. But if people are expecting that because Nick's getting paid one hundred and twenty million dollars, that's going to change the way he approaches the game. Not only do I not think that's the case, but that's specifically what Steve Clifford has told him not to do. The last thing they want Nick doing is putting some sort of artificial pressure on himself to evolve into something else entirely. They paid him the money because they thought that's what he was worth in the current market based on the way he played last season. They want him to be the same guy that fills up a you know, broad spectrum of, of areas and keeps the team connected. That's they don't, you know, to, to ask him to, you know, what I'm saying is he's not suddenly going to go from scoring 16 points a game to scoring 27 points a game, just because there are more zeros in his paycheck. Do you see the development between him and Kimba Walker changing in any way? Because they they've had a year under their belt now, uh, or or will it be the same dynamic as we saw last season? I think it's less about Nick Kemba than it is about Nick MKG. Mm. They only got to play together for seven games, and I I've got actually I've got my, the the column, um, my column on MKG is the centerpiece of our Hornets coverage going into you know um, for for Wednesday morning's paper, and a lot of what I wrote about is MKG. They, they need MKG to be the best he's ever been. For, for one compelling reason, it is impossible, and I mean impossible, for them to be as good an offensive team this season as they were last season. You don't lose L. Jefferson and Jeremy Lin and Courtney Lee and continue to, to aspire to score 103 points a game. Um, Cliff, Clifford's thinking is that they've got to, while, while they can't be as good offensively, they've got a real chance to become better defensively be, if they can get a full season out of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I personally thought you guys watch. I know obviously the fact that you, you're doing this podcast, you guys watch a lot of Hornets basketball. I really thought, I really thought at the end of last season that Nick started wearing down because mm-hmm. they were asking so much of him at both ends of the court. You, you know, it, it's it's not realistic to expect him to orchestrate the offense and simultaneously guard the other team's primary scorer for 25, 30 minutes a game. MKG allows Nick to take some of that defensive responsibility off of his plate, and that's going to be very, very important. The other thing that's so important about MKG is people think of him as a small forward. I think of him more as 
a queen piece on a chessboard. He can guard anybody from a point guard to a power forward and definitely will maybe tomorrow night. Rick, I wanted to follow up with you on MKG for a second. I mean, injuries have always been the problem and the concern with him. If he were to have another you know, extended injury that kept him out for a long time this year or re-injured something, I mean, did, would this team have to you know, consider moving on or look for backup plans? Or how do you think they would address that given that it would be happening you know, almost every year? The, the financial commitment to him would be far too great. You know, the, pro, the problem there would be, um, it, you know, if, if you mean by that, but they looked, looked to, to trade him, I think if if he had another significant injury, he'd probably be considered as damaged goods with a big contract. So um, I think they I honestly I think they have to hope for the best. But, you know, you're right. The reality of the situation, and it's not unlike when Gerald Wallace was a Bobcat, is that there is no other way for him to play other than exposing his injury, his body to injury. Rick, there's been a, a general talk of a slow offensive start to the season for this team that the defense may have to carry them. Do you think that expectation managing or a legitimate concern that it'll bear itself out in the first few weeks? I think I, I don't even think, think it's a perception. I think every time you ask Steve Clifford what this season is going to be about, he says that they have to be great defensively immediately because because they're not going to be all that good offensively in the short run. It's going to take them a while to, to figure out how to how to best optimize what scoring options they have. Um, it sure hasn't helped that they've had all these little nagging injuries all season. It's all preseason. It's, it's definitely undermined the continuity of what they're trying to accomplish here with Rick Bennell, a beat writer for the uh, Charlotte observer. Uh, Rick, you talked about Frank Kaminsky, uh, the, the injury may keep him out of uh, this first regular season game, but he got a lot of minutes in preseason to show off his work over the off season. How is the team feeling about the progression of Frank Kaminsky? They know that he's a really good. They know that they're they're going to have a really good player offensively. The question, and Frank is to his credit, is the first person to to say this about himself, is at what point will his defense catch up to his offense? Um, it was interesting. I had this long conversation with Frank over the summer, and he told me that he is just so he admires Marvin Williams so much for the way that Marvin understands NBA basketball, particularly de- defense on such a sophisticated level. You know, he was, he was just talking, he, I asked him for an example of this, and he said that he, he just remembers plays where Marvin was so intimately familiar with the opposing team's um, offense, offensive tendencies that things would start happening before they actually happen in a given play, Marvin would cut them off. And Frank said, at some point, I've got to get mentally to the point in the NBA where I can do things like that. And, you know, the, the thing that we have to keep in mind about about Frank that I think people miss sometimes is Frank is an amazingly skilled guy for a seven footer. Um, if you if if he if you play him a small on him, he's going to take the guy into the post. If you play a big on him, he's going to he's going to hit threes. Um, he's pro, you know, one of the things that Steve Steve is trying to work toward is they need a countermeasure to other teams downsizing. You know, that's become a big thing in the league is to, to go with smaller units and to switch everything defensively. The Potentially, the solution to that is to play Frank some minutes five with Marvin at the four. Rick, some of the other guys that were able to hang on after that preseason uh, were Aaron Harrison and Trevion Graham, and I think a lot of fans were looking at Harrison, especially uh, who had a you know a bit of a struggles um, in the summer league and the preseason, and uh, they compare him with a guy like Andrew Andrews, but specifically to Harrison, any insight onto why he was uh, why he was able to stick around? Familiarity. I mean, I really do think it was as simple as that. You know, they. Um, they were always going to fill the last two roster spots. Um, they, Trevion Green always had to step up on on the on the other what I'd call spares because Steve had a vision of needing another defensively oriented small forward at the end of the bench. I really think Aaron was just a matter of you know um, the, none of these guys are going to you know we're we're, we're going to play anytime soon in an, in an NBA right. rotation. And I just felt like I think basically I think what it came down to was they have invested a year in trying to 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 to, uh, to make Aaron better, and I and I you know I, I think you I think you, you tend to give up on those kind of investments of time and money reluctantly, don't you? I mean, that just that just human nature. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think familiarity and and knowing the system, and again, when we talked about it this morning, I mean, when you're talking about 
if, if it's a waiver wire pickup, you're probably going to have to double his salary uh, to bring somebody in. It doesn't make sense if, if uh, you've got a guy who's already familiar and, and won't play much in the regular season anyway. Remember that part that one of the one of the subplots about this preseason that was it made it a little bit different is they had a plan on how to make uh, how to get the, sw- the the Greensboro swarm off the ground. Mm-hmm. Right by having those those other players, you know, Suleiman and Tobin and and, and and those those fellows on the uh, on the roster throughout the preseason, that means that they that they have right of first refusal for their D league rights, and they need they need to have some sort of a base to start that or, that organization. Rick, what's the one thing you think fans should know about the Hornets that maybe has flown under the radar uh, this offseason and, and training camp preseason period? Well, I don't know if, if what I'm about to say, um, you know, f- sneaks under the fence, but that I think, but but I mean, I think since we've been talking about, it, you can't talk about enough, which is that um, I think to a great degree that the, the season, the season's outcome, the likelihood of their making playoffs, I think is going to be greatly, greatly contingent on MKG's health. Mm. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm keeping, beating the same drum but you know what i'm saying is a, a healthy effective mkg because he can he can fill in so many different spots on defense is really really important they love clifford loves the way that marvin and, and mkg can play off each other to play switching defense and the same effectively applies to nick that's perfect rick that's our question uh, of the show that who is the the sort of game over player for this hornet season so uh Uh, That's great. Uh, We want to end this with a lightning round of sorts. You've been covering the team since the beginning, so let's do a little this or that, uh, some past players, past uh, coliseums even, (laughs) and we're going to factor in performance with intangibles like legacy and meaning to the franchise. Just real quick, who would you give the edge to? Uh, We'll start with uh, a point guard combo here, Muggsy or Kemba? Uh, Kemba narrowly because he's a more dynamic scorer. Baron Davis, B. Diddy, or Kemba? Uh, Baron Davis for now, Kemba by the end of his Ooh, horns. I like, see, I, okay. like, I like this answer. <laughs> All right, Anthony Mason or Al Jefferson? <laughs> uh, Al Jefferson is one of my favorite people in the entire world. He's a wonderful gentleman, and I'm always going to give him the benefit of the doubt on anything. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, this, one, this one's my favorite one here. Jamal Mashburn or Nick Batum? Um, I like passers, uh, you know, given a choice of somebody who, uh, a a passer who can also score or a scorer, um, I, I I will always take the guy with a wider, um, skill set. So I'll say Nick. I like it, but I, woof, mash could score though. Uh, all right. Charlotte Coliseum or, you know, something, if you'd said to me, Glenn Rice, I might've said the opposite. Oh, well (laughs) next time I'm going to get you next time. All right. Charlotte Coliseum or spectrum center. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I'll, I think Pete Gwelly's uh, monster, the gigantic scoreboard gives it to spectrum. Center. put it over the top. All right. Final but, one. But I'll tell yeah. you, but I'll tell you, it'll never ever be any louder in, in an NBA game in Charlotte than it was in the heyday of the original Hornets. Never 24,000 people cheering for the purple and teal. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing like it. All right. Last one, Rick, in your Twitter photo, you are sporting a fine mustache. Are you giving the edge to pre-stash Bunnell or post-mustache Bunnell? That um, <laughs> that shows how much I care about what my Twitter picture looks like. <laughs> that is a fun. And no, don't way, undersell that, way, Rick. There, that is a fine mustache. There is a reason that that picture exists, though. You realize? Well, that, you're, you're that, behind that Paul that, Silas. That was that Sports Illustrated photo spread during the the, the Bucks playoff series when oh. um, Sports Illustrated was given this massive, massive ac- photo access to the Hornets and <laughs> Paul at the time was so big. I'll use the word big rather than the word that begins with an F. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> he, Hey, he that, used that, that word. He was fine that, with that word. That, that, Le- that Leonard and I, Leonard Lay and I had to go to absolute extremes when we were sitting at courtside to see around these screens that, that, that Paul would accidentally <laughs> set. <laughs> Man, can you imagine having to come off one of those for real? Oh, and and my twenty my twenty one year old son just adores that picture, so I can't change. It. <laughs> Listen, Rick, I'm going with pre mustache. I, I think you should bring it back. Uh, I no, think that is a fine mustache. I think it's fair to say that that's <laughs> never coming back. Well, thanks for joining us, Rick. We hope you come back. Uh, you can read Rick's daily coverage at uh, charlotteobserver.com and follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bonnell. That's B O N N E L L. Rick, thanks for joining us. Glad to have a nice day. All right.
So good stuff there from Rick and um, some interesting. I, I like the the mixing of the. Although I would take Anthony Mason. I'll be honest. I love you know I love Al Jefferson, but I probably Ant- have taken that. Anthony Mason was was sort of not the original point forward. I think that's probably somebody. Pro hoops history is going to you know tell us somebody, somebody way back in the day. That. But I, I consider like Magic Johnson the the original sort of point forward. But Anthony Mason uh, did it in a way in the nineties. Not a lot of people. I th- not a lot of Hornets fans. I think remember. Uh, how great a passer and a great a ball handler. I mean, he brought the ball up the court for the Hornets and uh, Anthony Mason, uh, a true talent. Rest in peace, Anthony. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wednesday night is the night the Hornets tip off the 2016-17 season in uh, Milwaukee against the Bucks. Uh, here to help us out, here to help us figure out what's going on in the land of beer and sausage is the one, the only, the host of Locked On Bucks. Big and unfortunate theme of the preseason was the Bucks' loss of Chris Middleton to a torn hamstring. It will probably keep him out for the entirety of the regular season, and finding a replacement for him is, as you might expect, very difficult, especially given the Bucks really didn't address the lack of depth on the wing before the injury. So they ended up trading Michael Carter-Williams, who had been on the block for a while, for Tony Snell in kind of a classic change of scenery move. Uh, Snell can sort of shoot threes. He can reasonably defend on the wing, doesn't really do much else, but those two things are really the the main things that you'd look for in a Bucks shooting guard at this point. Jason Kidd's been very open about him having every chance to start, but the question with Snell is, will he be healthy enough to start on Wednesday? Uh, he was trying to get through practices here in the couple days leading up to the game, but he hasn't played in a couple weeks due to a sprained ankle he picked up uh, before the trade from the Bulls. So, if it's not Snell, who does Jason Kidd go with at shooting guard? Uh, we know we'll see Matthew Delvadova start at the point. He's blended in very nicely with Giannis Adetokounmpo and Jabari Parker at the three and four. Um, Giannis is effectively the point uh, on offense. He'll see the ball most of the time. He doesn't defend point guard, so basically we get in all these debates about whether or not Giannis is a point guard or not, but whatever. He'll see the ball a ton. Delvadova will be sort of the secondary ball handler. And who plays shooting guard if Snell isn't hurt? That's a good question. You've got Jason Terry, Rashad Vaughn, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who's basically now the backup point guard with MCW gone. Any of those guys could start, or you could see the Bucks go bigger. They tried this a number of times in the preseason. Uh, Mirza Toledovic slotting in at the four, and then Giannis and Jabari defensively moving up to the two three, which isn't ideal given how big they are. Uh, I'm not looking forward to potentially Giannis having to chase. Nichols Batum around screens, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, big spots, Miles Plumley should start uh, due to his pick and roll finishing ability. Greg Monroe probably coming off the bench. And tactically, what what to watch out for? You know, the Bucks talked a lot about pace and shooting more threes at the start of camp. Those were things they didn't necessarily do that well last year. Um, and honestly, it didn't happen in the preseason either. They were last in pace uh, near the bottom in three-point attempts and makes. So uh, we'll be interesting to see if they start to address that here as the regular season begins with Giannis and Jabari. Those guys will, will grab and go anytime there's a miss or a turnover. But we'll be interested to see, do they try to push the pace more off makes as well? And, you know, can they try to get some advantage there? Thanks to Frank Madden for that report. You can follow him on Twitter at BrewHoop and also listen to the Locked On Bucks podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You know, the Bucks, I don't know what's going on in Milwaukee, but the Locked On Bucks podcast is one of the highest rated podcasts on the network. I think it's Frank Madden. I mean, that was some great analysis there from Frank on the Milwaukee Bucks. A very interesting team. Want to get to that in a second. But first, I want to tell you, if you have a question about the Hornets, about opening night, about anything that uh, Rick Bennell, great interview we just did. If you have anything uh, you, you'd like to say on that or our question of the night, who is the game over player for the Charlotte Hornets? If the Charlotte Hornets were to lose X player, the, the game would be over. It's rage quit time. Uh, so let us know uh, if you're watching live, let us know on YouTube in the comments section or on facebook.com forward slash at the hive. Let us know in those comment sections. If you're listening after the fact, maybe on iTunes, uh, make sure to tweet us your answer because we still want to read them uh, during the rest of the week. Uh, the Bucks are a very interesting team, guys. They take a different approach than the Charlotte Hornets. Jason Kidd very much into experimenting and shifting his lineup based on a number of factors where Steve Clifford, I think, really likes to make sort of small adjustments, studying playing groups, that's his big thing. But ultimately, he goes with 
his five best players for his starting lineup normally. So it's going to be sort of a clash of uh, lineup rotation styles. So this Giannis thing, where are you guys Big on deal. that? I mean, oh, it, on the, the point guard yeah, situation. I mean, he's what six eleven. He's large. I mean, there's never been a point guard as tall as he. I mean, there's been tall point guards, sure, uh-huh. um, and they've tried to do it, but I don't they think had, they've ever they seen had one in Michael Carter Williams and decided to to trade him to the Chicago Bulls. Here's where I am. I think that it sounds good to say Giannis it looks cool. point guard. It looks cool. Yeah. But let's be real. Matthew Delvadova is the point guard of the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and I think Tony Fran- Snell's the shooting guard, right? Right. Okay, so <laughs> so he's the th- he's really the three, but a lot like Anthony Mason used to bring the ball up for the Hornets. Probably Giannis will do it more frequently than that happened. Right. But I think it just it sounds good to say Giannis is the point guard. Yeah, saying Giannis in general just rolls His off name the has tongue. Been very Antetokounmpo. It's just a great name. But I think that ultimately Matthew Delvadova is the point guard. You're going you're going to see Giannis handling the ball because. Uh, him doing that creates all kinds of issues sure. for the defense. The one thing that but there's you, a difference between saying, "Hey, Mason, you bring the ball up," and Giannis is the point guard, right? right. <laughs> no, yeah, this is uh, this is all semantics. But what what it really comes down to is the fact that Giannis, his ability to handle the ball and his long arms, uh, provides the the Milwaukee Bucks offense with something that makes the defense look and it makes the defense think. And those are the kind of things you want to introduce if you can. Uh, into your offense or things that make the defense move and shift and think because then if he if he is a good distributor if he is a good ball handler then he can make make things happen it's a lot it's a lot what Kimba does just you know he's a lot smaller so it feels like more smoke and mirrors than substance I mean not that they're not going to do it right but I mean Mm -hmm. I don't know Justin what do you think because it it doesn't I mean do we think Giannis is going to be a point guard for the next 10 to 15 years of his career I don't and maybe that's not what they're saying either, but I don't think so. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been such a, a hot topic this summer, and everybody's expecting him to have a, a breakout year and, and all of these things. But I, I think it's just smoking me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be shocked if he was legitimately the point guard for eighty-two games. I just don't see it. No, I think it will be interesting to see who guards that that three and four position. If it's Giannis and Jabari at the three and four how the Hornets attack that defensively if Nick Batum is is placed on uh, Giannis or or if they put uh, MKG on Giannis. I think it will be interesting to see uh, how, how that all shakes out. Yeah. I just look at this matchup, guys, and then I think about the fact that they play Miami, a team that's been weakened in the offseason. Uh, and Milwaukee had, as as Frank talked about, had a poor uh, had a poor preseason. The the Hornets and the Bucks were the lowest scoring teams of the preseason uh, among NBA teams. And I just look at these two games and I think the Hornets have an opportunity to get off to a two and O start if if they play well. I th- I think a lot of things with the Bucks is th- they're big, but like they're all right. I-, I think because they're just so big, everybody thinks they're going to be like a really good basketball team. But like outside of size, I don't think a lot of teams like oh we're playing the Bucks just because they're long, like we can't beat them. Like I feel like this is a good chance if they come out and execute. I think they should go two and zero. Well, they 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 are long, but they they also I mean when you look at Giannis and Jabari, I think you could also make the case that they are a little undersized for their position. I mean if you can get physical with them, if you can play physical, then you can. I think the Hornets did a great job last season of of attempting to disrupt. Giannis going to the rim and and they frustrated him in, in, in a game last season so uh, it's it's certainly not impossible and I think this these two games present an opportunity for the Hornets this week before they come home to play the Celtics to get off to a 2-0 start they're not uh they, they don't normally start fast the Hornets no <laughs> no no uh, they don't no they're historically not a great starting team so it would well, be usually uh, money they're playing in the LeBron bank. in the Heat, and then they're playing uh, LeBron in the they Heat. They opened up with Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah, they they opened up with Atlanta, Miami, Miami last season, <laughs> right. which were three really tough games. This season, uh, not so much, and and they're not getting a lot of love, right, Justin? You you were pretty frustrated about that coming into the show. I had to calm you down. There's I don't want people you. to take this out of context. Think I'm a Hornets fan because one, it's all about the Lakers, but oh, I've watched a lot of the Eastern Conference a lot. <laughs> And a lot of people are picking the Hawks to win this division and then picking the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Two P- ESPN, I believe, had like 20 writers for, for the NBA. Two of them picked the Hornets to win the division. I, the Hornets are better than the Wizards. 
Bradley Bill can't even play enough games, and you don't even know about Atlanta. I mean, I know they sound they signed Dwight, but I don't. I I thought that was for everybody just to look at Atlanta. Maybe they know something I don't know, but I'm not sold on Dennis and Dwight just being oh head and shoulders. They're just going to win the division. It's interesting. There was there was little hype last year for the Hornets. There's little hype this year for the Hornets, and that may be a good thing. I think because you know I, I think this team probably relishes an underdog role just knowing the personalities on the team have they talked about that at practice at all oh i remember i've talked to kim about it and mkg I and mean, somebody had even asked kim during media days like yeah you know people are expecting good things and he was like really huh <laughs> he was like yeah. all of the group text messages i'm in everybody's telling me what people are saying about the horns they don't think how good we're gonna be i asked mkg about it and he said oh i don't even care about that i love being the underdog so I know what I expect from Kimba. Kimba knows what he expects from me, and, and we're just going to go out there and compete. And I don't think they care about all of that. Like, even somebody asked Kimba the other day, like, do you have any personal goals? No, nah, I don't really have any personal goals. I just come out here. I just want to win. And when you win, you get those accolades and that attention. But we're just out here to play basketball. So I think they're actually – I think that fits their culture. A lot of guys, that they just want to work hard. Well, and I think you look at these two games, Doug, they're playing, uh, and Justin, they got Milwaukee, right? They're trying to figure out their new identity with Giannis at the point. Right. Uh, Snell coming in may or may not play, but who they are. And then the Heat, too, right? I mean, how many changes did they go through? So who's the most stable of those teams? It's, it's clearly the Hornets. Has to be. I, people t- I think people take for granted the fact that the Hornets have a starting five that was set pretty much set in stone halfway through the preseason. Once it was clear that Cody Zeller – was was going to miss a, a good majority of the of the preseason. Uh, I think people sort of slated uh, Roy Hibbert in to that starting center role for now. Uh, but I think people take for granted that fact because I look across the NBA and uh, and I you know I talk to some of these people on the Locked On Podcast Network and they're saying I don't know I don't know who's going to start. Uh, they'll probably release something a night of and that that's the situation with Milwaukee. They can opt to go big uh, or or they can opt to go small. So I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what if, just in the case of Milwaukee, does Tony Snell, newly acquired player, by the way, mm-hmm. hasn't really been in the system all that much, does he start at two? Or they have the option to go big and go Giannis at two, uh, Parker at three, Toledovich at four, and Plumley in the, in the five spot. So, you know, you got to keep an eye on these things as it happens. But the fact that the Hornets have a starting five that has played a lot together in the preseason, hopefully will play to their advantage early on. Okay. We'll talk more about this in a bit, but uh, Halloween is a week away. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we've got some Halloween candy here decorating uh, our set. Uh, in fact, uh, we'll have our second show on Halloween night. I'm not huge into dressing well. up. Yeah, it's yeah, thirty first on Monday, right? No, Halloween's on Tuesday, right? What I believe. I got to talk to my kids. Double fact check me. Factcheck.org. I may have this incorrect. I was pretty sure the twenty fourth was yesterday. Seven days from then is the thirty first. Is October thirty second? That's Halloween, right? Yes, (laughs) Halloween's on a Tuesday. (laughs) No, is it? Wait, really? What? When when is Halloween? Is it Monday? Monday. (laughs) All right. So good. Tweet us your answers. When is Halloween? (laughs) Is it Monday or Tuesday? Wow, listen. That's the uh, listen. If that's the biggest thing I mess up on this show, <laughs> I, I'm like, come. By the way, we have to to appreciate this. You can't see all of it, but I'm I'm basically. You cap- have been so upset when these kids are just banging on your door, and you think it's the night before Halloween, right? Where are the kids? <laughs> I have all this candy. I've never been upset over extra candy, no. but um, I have all of these computers here operating different things on the show. I feel like I'm like captaining the the Starship Enterprise. Um, anyway. All right, so I'm not into dressing up for Halloween, as producer Katie will attest, but I am into consuming large amounts of candy. So let's compare our favorite Hornets players to pieces of Halloween candy. David, you're first. Hornets player, piece of candy, go. Yeah, so I used a little multimedia memory uh, recall, as I tend to do. You know, all of my childhood memories are either – well, thankfully, now they're on YouTube. Boy, this sounds like a, this sounds like a Tom Cruise sci-fi movie. What are you saying to me right Ooh. now? Like what? What mind meld memory? What is this? Well, okay. So Kimba, when I think about Kimba and the way he moves and his step back three, it uh-huh. reminds me of that opening sequence to the Gummy Bears cartoon when they're just bouncing <laughs> everywhere, and they're just little guys and they're just bouncing back and forth. And Disney. You can't catch wait a minute. Them. This was on Disney. 
Um, I believe it was Disney's version. I was I a know. Nickelodeon. You're calling kid, me out on so that. I, don't even I didn't have cable as a kid. Well, this probably so predates either of you two guys. I should know, but go look it up on YouTube. Great theme song. Um, as you pointed out, not as good as Ducktales, but. These little guys are jumping everywhere, and they can't catch them. It reminds me of Kemba and how he just jumped back and stepped back and hit that three. I like that. And so we we have the we have the gummy bears here. That's it. Plus uh, gummy bears is, rule. So uh, there you go. Kemba Walker. Yep, gummy bears. All right, Justin, you're next up. What candy have you brought us, and and who does it represent from the Hornets? I would like to show the world about this. These trolley sour bright crawlers. I'm <laughs> sure some of you know this and how great they are. And what I like about the trolley sour bright crawlers is a bag of goods. You know who I compare that bag, bag of, of goods? goods to? Yes, a, a bag of goods. Sweets, <laughs> delights, all types of good things. I think we found our first drop. And when, and when that comes to goods. one player on the Hornets, it's Nick Batum. If you go in here, you can pull out a red or blue. You can get a no-look pass. Mm-hmm. You can get a pull-up three. I could grab this. A lot of different options. Oh, yeah. I could grab uh, I could grab a red and yellow. Some people like the red and yellows. And you know what that means? I, it, it could be a strip. It could be a block. It could be taking a charge. This man, Batum, he can do it all. And these Sour Bright Crawlers, they hit every taste bud. Get a shot of these, Doug. Can we, can we get a shot of these? Well, we, we this can't. This bag of goods We here? can't. I, I can't move okay. the. I can't move the, there's, <laughs> like, there's limits to what I'm able to accomplish. Trolley Sour Bright Crawlers. <laughs> it's a miracle we're on the air right now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I have a couple, but I want to go to my main one. And my candy that I've selected is, this is a controversy. This is probably the hottest take of the show. I hope everyone is ready for this. I've picked candy corn as my candy of choice. And I know that candy corn has a bad reputation. It's got a bad rap. But I'm here to defend candy corn. It's delicious and and it's underrated. And everyone's skeptical about candy corn. And it, it tastes good. I mean, it does. It's not the no one's it, skeptical. They know what candy skeptic, corn is. They're skeptical about candy corn. I think people get <laughs> it's a known the, quantity. The national media has labeled candy corn. The at, media. The media. Blame it yeah. on the media. Yeah, it's a conspiracy. Everything's rigged. <laughs> this is the greatest candy. Um, all right, so candy corn is Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and, and just like Michael Kidd Gilchrist offense, it tastes decent enough. No, it's not the it's not the it's not like chocolate. It's not the greatest, but it's it's no decent enough bad. and people are giving it a bad rap. But here's why I really picked this because there was a trick that I used to pull on my little brother uh, during Halloween. I'd cover my entire candy stash in candy corn because I knew mm. he, I knew he hated it. I was okay with it. He hated it and it played perfect defense for me on Halloween. It was very strategic. You I like what you did there. In a Ric Flair. That was great. I like what you did there. You brought it back around. That um, was great. I didn't know where you were going with that. I'll be honest. Uh, don't I'm eat right. them. They're, they're terrible. They're fine. Hey, you know what's funny? I mean, they're fine. I shouldn't have put this in my mouth while I'm talking on the mic. But um, <laughs> How rude. The, it's, the funny thing is I went into the store before the show to get this stuff, and I almost got the, the, the cheap. You know, this is just a prop. I almost bought the cheap brand of every candy. I had to get the name brand here, which says... Made with real honey, which made me think, wait a minute, candy corn is made with honey. That, I didn't you even know that. Corn. I don't know. I don't even know. I thought it was just ground up hopes and dreams. I didn't know what it was made of. I got a couple more. I want to reel these off because you know I love these type of segments. I, I put way too much thought into them. All right, so MKG's candy corn. Marvin Williams is Snickers because he's the full package. It's Snickers full package. Peanuts, caramel, nougat. Chocolate. I mean, it's I, got I had a, one from Marvin. Okay. It's raisins. It's nature's candy. He got back into nature last year. He went on the run. He got back in shape. But Marvin's full name is Marvin Gay Williams. Marvin Gay saying heard it through the grapevine. The California raisins saying heard it through the grapevine. Oh, I feel you should have gone These with that great. one. These are you should have gone with that one, and then we could have had raisins. Well, but nobody I, wants I have, raisins. I'm just saying. No, That's, they're kind of. Wants, they're, I like raisins. Listen, raisins. Though. Here's the thing about Halloween, raisins, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah boy. <laughs> raisins are prunes with better PR. So mm. I, yeah, that's my, my thing about raisins. Okay. All right, Frank, you're going to love this one. I almost went with this one, uh, but I had a good candy corn story that I had to share. But Frank is a Tootsie <laughs> Pop. He's got a good outside game. We're told, <laughs> we're told. That there's a good inside game. We don't know because it's it's we we just see the outside right now. It's taking a little while. So basically, the question is, how many post ups does it take 
to get to the center of Frank Kaminsky's offensive domination. So that's the Tootsie Pop one. I almost went with that one. Hawes is Starburst. Okay? Mm. Because most of the time, you're getting a really good eat. Sometimes you get two pink ones, and we all know the pink ones are the best. But there's sometimes, every once in a while, you open up a red Starburst and you go, you know, I don't remember even trying red before. And then you pop it in, you go, oh my God, red is terrible. Why did I ever... Well, red, no. yeah, everyone, whoa, whoa, everyone went yellow. The yeah. red is great. Clearly, it's yellow. Oh, sorry, guys. I didn't study my, like, Starburst polling data before we got on here. No excuse. The point is that sometimes Spencer Hawes has some decision-making issues, but there are great qualities to love otherwise. So, David, can we say that would have been the yellow one? The yellow Definitely Starburst. yellow. Okay. Yeah, okay. Obviously, everyone well, knows just, that. Just making sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Clearly, just ducked in now. Well, listen, it was nice uh, joining you, fellas. Uh, next week, these guys will be gone, so don't listen, worry about that. Um, every October 32nd, dog, it comes around <laughs> and you get your candy corn. That's a, that, yeah, that's that's the new Halloween, October 32nd. Just like uh, the Trump said, you know, they're voting on November, November, 9th. November 29th no. or something. Um, okay. If you have a Halloween candy to Hornets analogy comparison, uh, tweet it to us at Locked on Hornets, or maybe you want to go to YouTube Live if you're listening or watching along, uh, uh, post it to YouTube Live or post it to Facebook because these fine gentlemen are keeping up I got with that. one. Oh, you got one. You go got ahead. One. Let's read it. Our friend Daniel Tapp, Hawes, is a circus peanut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there an explanation? Not a lot of people like them, but they're technically candy. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, come on. That was good. I that was good, though. That good was fun. good. Right. Wait, hold on. That's a sick That's burn. A sick burn. That's a right. sick burn. Let's lay off Spencer. He's got a, he's, he's, he, no, seriously. Let's, Spencer is, is going to be the backup center. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, shown some, he's shown some flashes of, of good play in the preseason. I don't it's just, him. it's just that occasional runner. Uh, that, that, that's the issue. Um, okay. Any more, any, any other, any other ones? That's it for now. I'll keep you posted. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's circle back to our question of the show. Who is the player that the Hornets cannot get to the playoffs without? We're calling this player the game over player. Pew, pew, pew. Who is your game over player, David? For me, it's Kimba Walker. And it's something I've been saying all preseason long. The, the backup point guard position was in such good shape last year with Jeremy Lin. Uh, he is now not here, of course. And they brought in sessions, who we've talked about at length, you know, a solid solid player, has been here before, knows the system, but he doesn't provide the same spark. And behind him is Brian Roberts. And to me, if Kimba plays at the same level or a bit higher than he did last year, I just think he's the leader of this team, and it's going to go as far as he can lead them. And to lose Kimba for any extended period of time and then having to rely on that point guard depth, depth is going to be death for the Charlotte Hornets. That's a good you, – yeah. you saved it. It's on Halloween. That's too. very nice. <laughs> Justin, who you got? Who's the game over player for the Hornets? It's definitely Kimba. It is Kimba. And Two today, votes for Kimba. Yes. In this league, your point guard has, point guard play has to be stellar. I'm a Sessions big supporter, but also he played for my Lakers, and he's he was good, but when you needed him to be better, it was that was just all you got. And that's not a, that's not a discredit on him because he's a backup. Kimba brings a lot of flair. He brings scoring. He brings a lot to this team. And they could have everybody. They got Batum. They could have MKG. They could have Marvin. All having great years. But if Kimba goes down, this season's over. All right. So I want to read a few of the comments that I'm seeing on Twitter about this before I get to mine because it is, I'm going to spoil it. It's not Kimba Walker. Uh, let me get a few of these. Uh, we have one from uh, uh, Nenebro says it's pretty clearly Kemba. Got another one here from Locks the Fox Kemba. Right. I'm going to be in the minority. Uh, and then Grant saying it's Steve Clifford. Well, he doesn't play, but and, well, here we can't take this for granted either because we've seen coaches last season have to sit out for a while. Mm-hmm. Steve, Steve Kerr, Kerr. Uh, Jason Kidd, who they'll face off against uh, Wednesday. So that's not a, that's not a given that a coach is going to be completely healthy through the season. So uh, grand saying Steve, without Steve Clifford, this thing is game over. Uh, Richie saying MKG again, but you know, they made the playoffs without MKG. That's my thing with MKG, but Rick mentioned it too, but they, at this point they're kind of experienced 
playing without him. I mean, I think he's key. I think he's key to their success. Yeah. I, I I just don't think he's um, maybe the linchpin that, you know, if he goes down, then the rest of the team goes down. Are you ready for this? Because no one said my answer. Uh, let's bring him in for the close cam, um, if I can. We'll see. Oh, there we go. Let's bring it in close here for this one. I'm going to tell you, the game over player, the player that the Hornets cannot live without, is Nick Batum. That's right, Nick Batum. And I'll tell you why. Because we know that Nick Batum makes Kimba Walker better. We have the data. Kimba plays so much better when Nick Batum is on the floor than when he is not. And and I think we saw it in the playoffs last season. What a what a even a half Nick Batum takes away from this team. And I think you know Kimba is definitely the the guy that the ball is going to go to at the end of a game when it's close. But Nick Batum is the guy that brings you out of uh, a, you know a four point six point deficit in the fourth quarter with four minutes to go. Even in the preseason, guys, we saw him making tough shot. After tough shot, he's already in regular season form. And I really think that Nick Batum is the engine that makes this Hornets team go. And if they lose him, I think uh, it's game over. I don't even think they make the playoffs, much less have success uh, once they got there. Well, let's be honest. Kimba, MKG, uh, to a lesser extent. But I think if Kimba or Nick go down, it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. But to your point, I mean, Nick's obviously a super important guy. They gave him all that money for a good reason. Uh, he was a huge part of their success last year. So, yeah, that's another key guy. Now, what if Clifford went down? Nobody has any uh, faith in uh, Patrick Ewing? I have a lot of faith in Patrick Ewing, actually. The whole coaching staff. I mean, Clifford's done a great job building that staff up. I just think you lose your head guy, it's tough for anyone Outside of Luke Walton, right? Well, to, there's so uh, to much respect. There. Yeah. There's so <laughs> much respect the for the play from the players to the coaching staff. But I will give uh, Justin credit there. You know, the, the the coaching continuity is something again not talked about a lot from from the Hornets organization. But uh, you know, they do have a coaching staff that has been there for several years. So it, you know, God forbid anything happened to to Steve Clifford where he had to miss any time. I don't think they really I don't think they miss a beat for at least a, a short period of time. Here's another one, Doug, we did not mention uh from our guy Ben Stanley, Marvin. Uh which brings up a good point. I mean, leading three point uh three point shooter last year, uh shot blocking, defense. Uh he brings so much to the table that they lose him, they are losing a lot. So you know, Marvin Williams, a key guy last year, and they'll be counting on him again this year. Well, you know what's strange about that? It wasn't his three-point shooting that the Hornets were missing in that playoff series against Miami. It was his the the, the shots that he was missing at the rim mm. that I felt like were were real because the the Miami Heat did a great job of not only taking away the three-point shot from Kimball Walker, but they were staying home on on Marvin Williams' shot as well, and Marvin Williams was able to drive, get to the rim, do some things, but not able to finish. So, yeah, I think they need. I think they need Marvin to do less early so that if they do get to the playoffs and they get into one of these tough first-round series again, they're going to have a full-strength Marvin Williams who can finish at the rim. So great comments from everyone. I want to know, do we have any questions from YouTube or Facebook? I did come across one on Facebook. All right. What do we have from Facebook.com? All right. I I don't want to butcher this name, but— Just give us the first name. All right, this is from Mark. All right, All right. You, Mark, you, you nailed, nailed it. it. You hey, nailed Mark it. B, this is for you, my man. <laughs> who do you think, who do you guys think will be the Hornets' most pleasant surprise this season? Ooh, that's a good one. I think, Ple- do we, have we visited this topic? I don't a think pleasant so. Pleasant surprise, guys. Pleasant. Pleasant. Oh, very colorful word. surprise. Well, I, I feel like it's, I mean, the one candidate that pops into mind immediately is Jeremy Lamb. That's right. Because, That's well, right. So if you don't know, I mean, Jeremy Lamb uh, had a great start to the season last season, uh, but faded away and was eventually uh, relegated to uh, garbage time by the time the, uh, by the time the playoffs rolled around. And he said, Jeremy Lamb has said in the off season that it was due to basically not being ready game to game, just his body, his mentality, and eventually it cost him a spot in the rotation. And so now he, he has a new mindset, and he certainly, and it's just not just us saying this, but other players are commenting on how uh, Jeremy Lamb has had such a great preseason. So I think if he continues it, but it's just, it's one of these things where, okay, he's the candidate, but, you know, is he going to sustain it through 
you know, the rest of the year? That's the question. I knew that was going to come up. Well, I'll give you one more. It's a guy that Clifford's mentioned, uh, somebody that Rick also hit on. It's Frank Kaminsky. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody that they're looking for to, to step up and provide some offense uh, and some defense, really, I mean, in his sophomore year. So, And that's a guy that I don't think a lot of other people around the league expect much, if anything, from him. I mean, we've heard some of the national views on him, and, and, and they're not – they're not favorable. A lot of them aren't favorable. It just, you know, where he was drafted, what he can give this team. So if they can come out and he can shoot the ball well, if he can come out and do some of those things like he's learning from Marvin, right? If he can turn into a little bit of that kind of player. That well, nice and, and the important thing to note is that without Jeremy Lin and without Al Jefferson off the bench, the Hornets don't have an alpha dog. They don't yet have an alpha dog score that's, that's immediately popped up in the preseason. Uh, Frank Kaminsky is going to have the same amount of minutes roughly that he played last season. But I think, yeah, you're right. He's going to be asked to do more, to be more aggressive. And so he, he'll have the same run, but will he have the same effectiveness? Uh, that will go a long way to tell you uh, what this Hornets bench is going to be able to provide a, as far as offense. And yeah, he could be, he has the opportunity to be a pleasant surprise. But I'm going to I'm going to give the edge to Lamb here because I just think he he's shown an ability to take over a game, to impact a game in a significant way that we haven't seen as consistently from Frank Kaminsky. Uh, so I, I give the edge to Lamb here. I do think by, let's say, January, I do think Marco Bellinelli can can be a name that That's people kind of gravitate yeah. to. I think it's going to take him some time to get used to playing with the guys and, and figuring out his role. But I think once he gets comfortable completely, I think Bellinelli can be a player off the bench. Do we have a question from YouTube? What is that? Hold on, hold on a second. What do you have? A, you're pulling up something mentions I'm that hair is that hair is amazing. I was just going to give a shout out. From saying, thanks. Hey, the hair is great, is it not, folks? Thank um, you. Questions from YouTube. No, we did have one other comment just on the the most valuable or the, the player that could not go down from our guy Walker Keith eighty two. MKG is the difference between a top four seed. Kimba is the difference between not making the playoffs. So another good way to look at that. Uh, I like that. I think people are going to be pleasantly. Actually, I'm changing my vote. Oh, I think oh. Ramon Sessions. Uh, oh my God, has <laughs> has something has something to say this season because he he's a 10 year veteran. Uh, he's feeling confident. He's back in a system he knows. And he, he, as you heard earlier in the show, Steve Clifford commenting that he's improved uh, his shooting. Uh, we haven't seen it in the preseason. He's sort of keeping that in a lockbox. Everyone improved their shooting. <laughs> hey, can we can we say? Um... I'll I'll just say I'll say a few things before I get to this one. We had Kimball Walker mm-hmm. work with Bruce. We had Marvin Williams coach, yeah, shooting coach Bruce work with Kretzer. Bruce. Yep. And after every practice, who's working with Bruce? Ramon Sessions, and they're getting after it. So I'm just I'm just saying. Listen, could, there's a, a there's a gaping there's a gaping hole left by Jeremy Lin that Ramon Sessions perfectly fills in terms of being able to get to the rim and get fouled and accumulate points in a way that you go, wait a minute, he, how, how did he? How did Ramon get 16? And it's because he went to the free throw line time after time. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. And he, I think he's filtered. Here's why I think he's going to be a pleasant surprise. Calm down. He's. <laughs> I just every time he's, he's every time he, he he finishes at the basket, I can already I'm I'm just pull up my phone. Well, for he's. I think he's filtered out some of that bad Ramon that we remember from the 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 Bobcats days. He's shed some of he's that. He's washed that. He's he, cleansed himself. Right, just of like that. the Bobcats cleansed themselves, right. and now are wearing purple and teal. So is Ramon. Uh, so thanks for all of those great comments, those great questions. We'll be back next week on YouTube and Facebook. So make sure that you're watching us live and you're you're commenting because that's what really that's what really drives this show. Uh, so um, every week we save a little time at the end of the show for one last thing, usually something fun, something neat, something light. Uh, today's show was pretty light. We we did some fun stuff in the show. So, and, and since today's a special day, the beginning of a new era in this show's history, I thought we'd take a little time to thank each and every listener out there, those that are tuning in for the first time, or maybe you've tuned in to the Locked on Hornets daily podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and you're like, wait, what? what is this live thing? We've been doing this live thing for uh, going on four years now. and um, this, But this whole video thing is is new for us. Uh, it's go. It's going to be fun. It's going to allow us to do things that we've never done before. Could be a little bumpy here at the start, but I thought this was a, a great first run. So we just want to thank you for hanging with us, and especially those that have uh, re- religiously hung with us and favorited our dumb tweets 
uh, from season one on. So thank you for listening, but more importantly, thank you for caring. And thank you to Justin for joining us, uh, for joining the team last season and sticking with us. Uh, He's at practice every single day, getting you the information that you need on the Charlotte Hornets. And really, he helps this show out in ways that that don't really uh, get mentioned all the time. So we're mentioning it, mentioning it now. And thanks, David, for putting up with my basketball nerdiness every weekday. And last but not least, thanks to my lovely, wonderful, amazing, patient wife and also producer, Katie. I would not have created this show or kept it going all of this time without her. So big thanks uh, to Katie. Absolutely. So I think that's that's how we're going to end it. That That's all for this edition of okay more than one second okay we're thanking uh spouses and wives and families sound like this is sound feels like the end of the season but instead of the beginning but But this is such a beginning of a new era thank you to my wife i don't try to don't try to like uh get on my coattails well she just said she wanted wine on the way home so (laughs) (laughs) she'll be thanking you yeah uh, for bringing home the wine All right, that's all for this edition of Locked on Hornets Live. Thanks again to our guest, Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes and stay up to date on the Hornets uh, every single day. We'll catch you back here next Tuesday live at 6 o'clock p.m. For David and Justin, who are about to scarf down some candy, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Happy Halloween.